0: Welcome to Sunrise Life, the podcast where we have conversations with freelance models. And today I have a seasoned professional that I've kind of looked up to throughout my career also, Mika Lovely. Say hello. Hi, everyone. Hi, Christy. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I've always looked up to your work as as inspiring a lot of it is because you seem to really have a persona about you on all of your posts and everywhere that you share content, like you've got a vibe. And it really, it really shows. Oh, thanks.
1: (laughs) It's so funny, because I feel like I've pulled back on having a personality on social, not even for any reason other than like, I just feel so jaded with it. But it's, Interesting to hear that I still have like some sort of like image externally.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think you definitely do. A lot of your posts, I was creeping on your page earlier this morning. I was creeping on your page. I I like the kind of dark gothic. There's definitely a lot of like, you know, dominant themes and stuff that I think is really cool. I, I really I do like the vibe.
1: Thank you. Ironically, it's become a little bit safer to post more of the fetishy stuff because I'm usually a lot more clothed and people forget that I am also significant, like a huge chunk of my work is doing art and figure nudes. So that's part of like why that started to happen on the newer accounts because I lost a couple of accounts. One was like, almost ten years old. Damn. Yeah, that was my first account and I finally lost it over something I I still don't understand because everything I was posting and had deleted at the time was still acceptable. So now I it is something I love doing, like fetish styles and it's a part of my life and everything, but like it's also like just a portion of what I do.
0: <laughs> yeah. I totally get that. A, a lot of the work that I get paid for as a model is involving nudity and not like outfits. And I'm sure that you're in the same boat. And that's probably why you ended up, unfortunately, getting deplatformed on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. I know it's you're like,
1: well-versed in the struggle. I remember your issues with losing, like, long-time accounts and everything.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it is an ongoing topic on this podcast. <laughs> <I'm de-platformed>. Sure. <laughs> oh, man. Do you know what, what post it was that, like you no. know, was the straw that broke this the camel's is- back?
1: I don't know what the ultimate last straw was, but I know what was going on at the time, and it was so weird. My posts were not being flagged. I would share my own posts to my story. And they would get hit on my story, and they kept saying adult sexual solicitation. And this would be on images and posts that had like no like written text on the post or on the image itself, no nudity. I didn't have to censor; like they were fine. The posts were never touched. It was always the stories. And finally, one day, it all came crumbling down, and I was like, "What the shit?
0: That sucks."
1: I don't even know what to make of that.
0: <laughs> do you think that Instagram also like, um, is harsh on like BDSM type themes? Oh, absolutely.
1: Although it's really conflicting because some people do really, really well with latex and focusing more on the fashion aspects. But if, you'll, if you pay attention, you'll see that a lot of people are posting like kitschy clips, very TikTok-esque, things that are super safe. And then attempting to redirect to their real platforms, which have almost nothing to do with what they're posting anymore. Yeah. (laughs) So there's a safety barrier if you are utilizing the correct, and I use that in quotations, methods. But outside of that, like a lot of people don't know that ball gags are just not acceptable on social media, or on Instagram, sorry. And I found that out the hard way. Because I shot some reference imagery with a photographer and I was fully clothed, super cute, had like a little headband. I was actually wearing pink for once and I had a ball gag in the image and it was taken down in seconds.
0: Just that one little uh, outfit item is against terms of service for Uh whatever reason. That's frustrating. (laughs)
1: Very. (laughs) I thought it was going to be such a cute little photo and then Instagram was just like, absolutely not. (laughs) That sucks. That sucks.
0: Yeah, Instagram is weird about some certain things, and it, it makes me. It kind of reminds me of like, um, you know, growing up with a strict dress code in school, and how they're harsher on some people than on others. For the people listening to the podcast, would you mind kind of talking about how you first got into modeling, and then how your career has progressed and led you to where you are today?
1: I feel a lot of people go into modeling, and I could be be. Right well, I could be very wrong here, but um, I think a lot of people go into modeling with the intention of like having a goal or having always wanted to model. And I had heard about Model Mayhem from a friend that I went to school with, and she used it because I think she was stripping at the time and was working with local photographers to build up a portfolio to also share, you know, as you do. And when I found out about it through her, it just looked like a fun outlet because I would take random. Terrible self portraits with a little point and shoot digital camera that I had for a long time, and like photos of my friends, and you know, real stupid stuff. And one day I was like, This seems like fun, I'm just gonna do it for shits and giggles. And I uploaded four horrible photos. Like, I don't know why they accepted them, but <laughs> they did, they thought it was fine. <laughs> and I just it, I think it was almost a full year before I actually did anything off of Model Mayhem. Because every hit that I would get were absolute fucking creeps. <laughs> I have these four ter- terrible photos that are obviously like candids or selfies, like very like crap quality, especially by today's standards. And these men were always hitting me up for like nudes implied. And I had no intro to this, no interest in that. And I was so put off that I... I think you look at my account, and I think I made it in two thousand and eight or something like that, and I really didn't do anything until two thousand and nine. And my first actual gig was just promo modeling. And it was at this adult store down here called Playthings. And they did a lot of costume stuff, like, during Halloween, they basically became this massive costume shop. Of course, a bunch of slutty ones, but it was a great spot to like go pick up something for Halloween, and I just stood there handing out flyers, basically. that's That was my first modeling gig. Very not at all what I do today. And I just started doing shoots here and there, but my first shoot ever actually was an implied shoot. And ironically, if I had known how the shoot was going from behind the camera, I may not have actually continued modeling. Who knows?
0: whoa what do you mean (laughs) so
1: it was an implied shoot the photographer bought lingerie for the shoot and I was totally fine not wearing a top and being covered and I had you know I have a lot of hair so I was just like let me know if you know my nipple pokes out whatever and he seemed very cool throughout the shoot I had my partner at the time in the other room like everything went great he was taking a long time with edits. He realized this and he was like, you know what? Oh, sorry. It was a trade situation for images and the lingerie. So um, he realized he was taking a long time with images and he's like, you know what? I'm just going to put everything on a disc for you. Send it to you. You can do whatever you want with it because I realized like it's just going to be a while before I can get to editing this. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, it is what it is. And I think I'd maybe done a couple other shoots in that time, you know, just waiting. When I get the images back, this is the stupidest man. <laughs> I'm scrolling through the images, everything's, you know, chill, chill, chill. And I get to one where I see that my nipple's poking out of my hair. And I'm like, all right, you know, like, it happens, you know? The next photo is, it fully fucking zoomed in on just nipple. Oh my god. (laughs) I was like, oh my god. Not only was he a creep, he was a complete fucking moron to send it to me. All he had to do was not include it.
0: Yeah, and then you wouldn't have been all freaked out about knowing what his intentions were. Yeah, okay, I see what you mean now. (laughs) Yeah, so had I
1: not had that shoot, had a little bit of time in between, done some other work, and realized it was a chill environment up until I got those images back, then like who knows if I would have reframed everything and been like, well, if this is what this is, then fuck that.
0: Did you confront him about that?
1: I'm trying to remember because this is literally 14 years ago.
0: Wow, okay.
1: I don't know if I just went on with my life because he moved out of state and I never really heard much from him again or like, I really don't recall. It was so long ago (laughs) and literally my first shoot ever.
0: Wow. (laughs) Well, did you um, proceed with caution after that or? I,
1: I think the subsequent shoots kind of gave me a better idea of how a shoot can and would generally be approached. And since I already had those experiences, I realized this was just one-off idiot over here. So um, I wasn't too cautious. And realistically, being topless wasn't that big of a deal. I just, that was my limit, you know? So, right. And like t- like, maybe I didn't have this frame of mind back then. But since I've actually, you know, had the time to process over the years, at some point, my mindset became since i personally don't do erotic shoots or open leg stuff it was like if someone posts that of me it is what it is i'm not the asshole that guy's a fucking dick why because i had hard limits that are expressed directly in my limitations you see it in the entirety of my work everyone's gonna fucking know something's off with that yeah so i have no personal shame about my body if it's out there it's out there that's not the issue the issue is that someone violated my boundaries
0: yeah, exactly. And it happens. I think that over the course of years, because of that, I kind of learned what it looks like when a photographer is using a zoom lens, and then you're doing a certain pose, and they're like, oh, everything's fine. And then they zoom in. You're like, what are you zooming in on, man? Like-
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. like I love the, the lowered angle. The uh, Can you uh, open your legs a little bit slightly? Can you shift your butt a little bit this way? And um, there's actually a point and this is already where I'm like established and I didn't realize I was doing this unconscious or subconsciously was that I was limiting my posing because I knew what people were doing. So I would just shift my angles. I would give you more basic posing if I realized you were trying to be a little sneaky sneak back there. And it was like a few years of me doing that before it finally hit me because I'm looking at my own work and I'm like, I'm not as satisfied with my own posing here. Why? Like, why is this happening? Because I know how I work. And I'm like, oh, it's not a conscious action. I'm trying to protect myself. And these people are silently violating like my little bubble here. And that's when I picked up um, as we all affectionately call pussy tape. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I've never tried that before how is it is it as great as I I love it
1: I love it I personally love it I think it sticks really well after like a minute I don't even remember it's there at all and I've gotten it both in skin tone which looks very natural like very very natural and also black which I know another model has used and it very much sets that boundary of if anyone even says anything about you wearing it it's like well you shouldn't be shooting those that range anyway so you know change your angle or whatever
0: (laughs) nice yeah that makes a lot of sense especially if you've expressed that boundary they shouldn't be yeah you know you shouldn't have to worry about editing it out because you shouldn't be photographing that
1: and one of my favorite other things about it is that if you're modeling out in like desert or if you're doing stuff on like a horse or something you have that extra protective barrier because I'm always thinking about where I'm just putting parts of myself and I'm like I don't necessarily want to be putting my genitals on this rock or like all this sand or like Oftentimes in studios, a thing that you know models have been on fifty thousand times and a photographer has probably never cleaned.
0: Yeah, actually, I have thought about that.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: like, is this, has a stool ever been sanitized? And how many yeah. models have you asked to sit on it with their legs spread? You know, like
1: I remember one nude in nature, which is um, for the rest of you an event that happens annually. Someone brought a motorcycle, and I know a, mo- a lot of models had. Put themselves on that motorcycle, and this was definitely before the era of the tape. I did not go on it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Like, if if you go to the strip club, like every dancer is cleaning off the pole in between dances. It should be standard if everybody's sitting on the same thing that you should just clean it off afterwards. I don't know why this is not a standard thought. Because it could put somebody like at it's a health risk. It is. It is a health risk. Gosh, I'm going to think about that. I've been in nature a lot, kind of in the middle of nowhere, but I am going to cities pretty soon. And I'm going to, now that's on my mind. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Always worth a, a thought.
0: <laughs> yeah. Speaking of things that might be out of line or like, you know, whatever, I have this part of my podcast that I like to call the photo shoot fail of the week. Can you describe a photo shoot that was crazy either because the situation itself surrounding the shoot was crazy, perhaps the photographer was a little out of line, or you could tell more than one story if you want, <laughs> but um, what's some of your craziest photo shoot stories?
1: So having heard that um, that trend of a theme in your previous podcast, it really had me thinking about what I was going to say for this one. And I kept coming up with a couple of like much smaller ones where I'm like, there's no way I haven't dealt with more shit. (laughs) There just really isn't. And I really do have one. And the experience lasts a few days. So I'm probably going to stick with the one unless you want to hear more because there's definitely a couple others. But um, this guy, this was a photographer that was hosting me when I was on the road in one particular area that's kind of like not really a major hub or city. So it was kind of like a nice little place to stay like adjacent to a couple major cities and I had another host in the next stop that I was going to be at which was a much more major city relevant it all comes together <laughs> so I'm staying with this photographer I had not met him before but we'd spoken and I think I probably I always check references so I must have checked references and I think the issue in this case is that he probably had more of a local model reference situation and the for anyone that's not understanding why I'm saying that like he probably didn't work with a lot of pros yeah So I stayed with him first, first day, we just kind of like chatted, got to know each other a little bit because I came in like midday and then I just kind of posted up in the room, got myself ready, you know, got on my laptop, did, you know, just menial nonsense because the next day he had suggested that if I wanted to, since I told him I had no shoots that day, even though I did tell him I had other work to attend to, like I had to do emails and a bunch of things I had to figure out. He had mentioned there was a local waterfall, like nearby, very pretty. And there's so few of those that I feel like I encounter when I'm on the road, unless I'm doing like a bigger event that's like a few days long, that's dedicated to a new to nature sort of, sort of vibe. So I was like, okay, cool. Let's check this out because I know I'm not going to see another one out here. Maybe I'll take some photos of it myself, you know, or keep it in mind for another time, whatever. That's like, that day comes, I'm in the car with him. He's like, I've got to stop off and get some gas real quick and then we can like grab a couple of drinks, whatever. And I'm like, okay, you know, like smart idea. Like how far is this waterfall? Yeah. If I recall correctly, it was like an hour and a half or two hours away. And I'm thinking to myself, that's not nearby. That's not a fucking
0: nearby. <laughs> yeah. That's just an all day event suddenly.
1: <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, I'm already in the car with him and we're already on the way when I think to ask this question and, you know, I've definitely realized there is no such thing as a common sense question. That's always going to get a common sense answer or, or just an idea of something that you think is going to be the logical answer. This man said nearby and two hours is not nearby. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of like, I, I kind of give into it. Cause I'm just like, you know what? I do have the day off. I would like to see some nice nature. Fuck it. We go out there. Nothing of note on the way. But the thing is, is when I'm going here, also something he should have realized is that I'm wearing flip flops. I was not expecting hiking. Oh man. Like, as the person who's taking me there, you should make me aware of these things. I don't know what the fuck we're walking into, but like, it was not like season for me to be really traveling with boots or anything. So, like, I was ill prepared for this thing that he had suggested on the fly, basically. So, I'm there. I'm in flip-flops. We're walking down toward the waterfall, whatever. And he's got his camera with him because he's just like, oh, maybe I took a couple shots. And I'm like, or whatever. Cool. We go. We're walking down. We start to hear people. And then we see there's a bunch of people kind of swimming at the base of the waterfall. So he's just like, never mind. Let's go back up. And I'm thinking, I came down to see the waterfall. Why are we walking away from it? Simply because there's other people swimming there. But yeah I don't know the area, so I'm thinking, you know, maybe he wants to go to another angle, whatever. We walk back up, we go to the top, we end up by the top of the waterfall where it's starting to split not the edge, but like the top part where before it spills over, like several yards. Yeah. And he wanted to take a few photos and ask me, so I get naked basically and get in the little area like that's safe and do some poses there. And then we start like after a few minutes probably like 15 minutes or so, we hear like some dudes coming up. So I get dressed really quickly. And then there's like three or four guys that came that must have been with the other group downstairs or something or downstairs (laughs) at the bottom of the waterfall. Who knows? But they posted up there and we're like, okay, we're out. Like it's getting a little too crowded here. And we start walking back to the car basically because it seems like there's no other real areas to go as far as the waterfall goes. And ultimately we've spent... An hour, hour and change doing all of this. Mm. And I'm trying to be extra safe because these flip-flops are like real, very casual, shitty flip-flops. Like if they're wet on the bottom, there's no traction. And I'm trying to not die. (laughs) This guy seems to not realize. We finally make it back out to the car, you know, jump through hoops. We get in the car, start to head back. And he's like, oh, that was like a nice little outing. You know, it's real great. You know, it was pretty, whatever. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah sure. And then he goes, and then tomorrow, I forgot to preface this with the core information that I'm about to tell you, but he's like, tomorrow we'll have our full four hours of shooting. And I was like, you thought what? (laughs) I literally was silent for a moment. I was just like, you told me one thing. And what? So after my moment of silence, I was like, you know what, like, you just said our full four hours of shooting, but you took me out here. I didn't even see the waterfall. We've been here over an hour. You took photos of me out here. Like, did you think that wasn't going to be included in shoot time? Or like, what was happening? Like, did you think I was not going to be compensated for like working on this? Now that you kind of turned this, what was intended to be show you like the landscape sort of outing into like work? Yeah, that going? No, I was just not okay with it. And then he got real quiet for a while and finally speaks up. And he's like, you know what? You're right. I'm sorry. I didn't think about it that way. Like, we'll recalculate tomorrow, whatever. I'm like, okay, cool.
0: And I'm there thinking
1: like, okay, like, you know, made it through to one of them. You know?
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's nice that he actually like accepted that initially. I was
1: stunned. I was stunned. Oh, no, that part doesn't change. It's the rest of it. That's a mess. Oh,
0: gosh.
1: (laughs) So. And this, for this moment, I think we're about an hour out and I get a call from someone that I have not spoken to in in months because we had an altercation and we just had not spoken in some time. And I found it very weird that this person was calling me. And I personally hate being on the phone around other people, in particular in vehicles. I feel like I'm trapping someone else and I feel the same on the other side. I hate when people do it to me. Yeah. I usually avoid it. But because of the circumstances in which I had not spoken to this person in a long time, and I felt it needed, it was going to be kind of important, mm-hmm. I asked him, and I think I gave him a quick overview of the situation. But even if I didn't, I did ask him, like, hey, do you mind if I take this call? This is really weird. And he's like, no, go ahead. So I take the call. And unfortunately, I'm on the phone the rest of the, the car ride. Oh, jeez! But
0: to be fair,
1: I didn't sign up for this length of a car ride. I just want to put that out there.
0: yeah (laughs) but
1: you know i do feel bad for him i'm not saying i that didn't suck for him it was not my intention to be on the phone for that long but i also given the circumstances and the nature of what the call ended up being which is irrelevant to the viewer at this moment i just i couldn't really hang up so i end up on the phone after we get back and you know on my own time outside i'm keeping it away from him whatever and we had discussed eating at some point but it's still pretty early. It's not dinner time. Still light out, whatever. I'm still on the phone and he keeps like poking his head out randomly out of his house and I'm like, "Yeah, I'm still here, bud." Like, "What?" <laughs> May I remind everyone, I'm a grown-ass woman. <laughs> so, he just keeps like checking and finally like there's like one last like poke out where he's just kind of like looking frustrated and like kind of like just generally annoyed at me that I'm being out there for so long and I'm I finally I'm like, "Hey, like, I really don't wanna cut you off at this point, but this is the situation, so I gotta go. I'll call you back. Wrap that up. We go out to eat. Most photographers will ask models what their like eating requirements are, like if they have like if they're vegetarian, whatever. I don't think he asked me a fucking thing. <laughs> and just decided that he knew that where we where we were gonna eat and just chose a spot, pulled up parked, and it's like a bar restaurant.
0: Okay. <laughs> I'm like
1: i'm like wonderful after and i also forgot to mention this we had had a conversation about beverage like alcoholic beverages for some reason and i stated a preference but i said that i wasn't really much of a drinker at all like it's very like occasional and it's not really my thing so we go in he realizes he left something in the car goes back outside dude comes over to me asks me for my drink order and i tell him whatever and then when he comes back in, the dude comes over to him, asks him the same thing, and then leaves. And then the photographer looks at me, and he's just like, "Oh, did he ask you like what you want to drink?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah." Like, he was here, you know, before already. And he was like, "Oh, so what are you having?" And I'm like, "Oh, just like a coke or whatever." And he's like, "Oh, like nothing else? Like you're not gonna have like a wine or something?" And I'm like, "No." Like to me, it's a very weird like question to try to keep asking someone if they want to drink something or like what their drinks are. I'm like, it's very odd to me, but like whatever. Yeah. And then afterwards, like everything on the menu is just fucking fried, grease, whatever, like not really great. I don't even remember what I had, but I chose whatever the best option was for me at the time. And afterward, he insists on walking around to the back of the building because back there, there's like this little like art park or something where he had some involvement in an art installation it's like this man is taking me out and parading me around his favorite spots in the city and bragging about stuff that he's done which is all very odd to me
0: yeah that is it sounds like he's trying to take you out on a date or something
1: yeah and like a very like poorly executed date if i do say so myself so i'm just like I don't know, like the waterfall, like this very terrible dinner situation. Look at my art, and I'm just like, all right, I'm done with the day. So we finally go back. This man has had me out almost the entirety of the fucking day at this point, with the exception of like the hour I spent on the phone outside of his house. The next day, we do the shoot in his little home studio, which he does have a nice little designated area, a room that he's converted into a studio space, lots of nice natural light. However, this motherfucker has a floor. That if you're laying on it, and there's perfect sunlight, it is quite reflective. And by that, I mean, even if you're posing in such a way where you're covering your crotch, you might see it in the reflection.
0: Whoa, okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. And he is also one of those dudes who is trying to position me in certain angles, and I could tell. Ugh. and Yeah, so, you know, halfway into this four, like, not even four hour shoot, what's left is like three hours at this point. I feel that shit look on my face that I can't hide anymore, where I'm like, if anyone sees these photos, they're going to know this model is having a bad time. And I just don't care, because I'm like, you just keep pissing me off, my guy. And also, he's one of those people that's just talking about inane shit about his dating life and whatnot. And I'm like, Oh, my God. I'm like, I can't. We have our shoot. It finishes. I'm so glad it's done i'm like okay cool tomorrow i leave i'm going to my next host and i'm going to be done with all of this nonsense i don't know and sorry he has an ex-wife i do not yeah of course (laughs) he must have you know pissed off many women in his lifetime (laughs) i don't know what happened but i know at a certain point in the evening he is yelling on the phone aggressively whoa And maybe for other people, they're like able to blow past this. And I'm not super sensitive to that if I understand the context of what's going on. But that is highly triggering for me. So I am suddenly very uncomfortable in this man's house because I don't know what the fuck is going on. He's yelling and I'm feeling very unsafe just in general. And I'm assuming he's on the phone, by the way, like he's just yelling because I haven't seen him. I remember putting my suitcase by the door because I'm just like, I don't know this guy like that and it continues on to the point where i start texting my next host who has never met me before lives like an hour and a half away has a pregnant wife at home and i'm like dude and he's also like close to my age which is why i'm like dude i'm like i am so uncomfortable in this house right now is there any way that you could come now and take me to your house and he was the nicest guy up and did it no questions asked beyond that point I made up some bullshit story that I'm like, I got to shoot early in the morning and it makes more sense for me to be over there.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And now I'm good friends with him and his wife. And I had no idea what that situation was going to be. You know, you send some dude out to like pick up a woman in the middle of the night and it's like very weird, but like, or the middle of the day, it was so weird, but yeah. And I also had a follow-up shoot with that dude another time where I was like, you know, it could be easily written off that this you know staying with him was maybe the bad choice that shooting with him was not you know the inherently bad experience of it all yeah i'm shooting in his studio you know like shooting with him was not the negative aspect but yeah he since shot me let's see he shot me here in miami he lives in another state he shot me here in miami and i had my partner with me And I even, I think I told him in advance, like, this dude makes a bunch of dumb comments. And he would even say, like, stupid comments to my partner as if, like, he gave a fuck. And my partner definitely knows better in the sense that he's like, I'm not going to do anything. She's going to handle it. And he just left me to fucking, like, deal with slash make all the snarky comments. He's just like, I'm going to, like, ignore this dude (laughs) and just stand there menacingly. But yeah, no, and it was to the point where I had another shoot with him and I just reported him to Model Mayhem because it was just beyond. But all oh of that God. Yeah, just dealing with this one particular person was enough.
0: <laughs> yeah. It sounds like he just only shot TFP type local models. And like some people like you can get good references on them from other people that have worked with them on a more casual basis, but then hosting is a whole nother level like you like yes they have to have a a, like a more full-on amount of respect for your space and like your humanity to be a good host for you or to even just give your space you know and respect your time yeah and this wasn't even a situation where it seemed
1: like he was like you know ill versed in the territory like he had a whole separate room for me full bed nice sheets towels everything like we talked fine the first day and then he left me alone like I thought shit was good and then it was like oh no you want to consume my time simply because I'm in your house oh and as we were leaving the waterfall I forgot one very stupid comment he made which was like oh this was so much better than you just sitting at home doing nothing and I'm like I told you I had a bunch of shit to do
0: Oh my god, what? that's the worst! I was Singing like, "Yeah, movie. it
1: would be if I intended to sit at home and do nothing." But that was not my plan. I had to fix like some tour botches.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and that's another thing about being a freelancer. Like when you're on your computer, people think that you're—I mean, not everybody, but a lot of people just think that you're screwing around on Facebook or whatever. But you're actually doing shit that is important towards earning income at your future gigs. Oh, for sure.
1: At this point, if I am on my laptop, it's because I'm working. I don't really use it anymore for just general bullshit like I do now with my phone. If I'm going to do general bullshit, it's going to be on my phone. If I need to work, it's going to be on my laptop. If I'm on my laptop, leave me the fuck alone.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes. And it's, it's hard to hold up that boundary, you know, especially with strangers that, like, you know, if you're staying in somebody's house. And this is another reason why, like, I generally when I am traveling to a city like that do not like being hosted by photographers (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. yeah there are very few that I will actively go out of my way to stay with and we usually have a long-standing rapport we understand like spatial boundaries like there was a um, a photographer that I used to stay with in Dallas who had a very nice like kind of large two floor I'd, I want to say like penthouse type for his apartment for his um, complex but it was open format so there was no separate room for either of us but um he had the upstairs where he had his bed and everything and I never went up there I never really saw what it looked like but I had a big inflatable mattress I'd sleep down there most in the morning he'd come down use the bathroom make coffee would not bother me ever perfect host.
0: <laughs> I think I stayed there Oh, Actually, Chris? there's two different. There's two different people in Dallas that had a loft space where they slept upstairs, and they had an air mattress. What? What? What did you say? Was it Chris? Yes. Yes, yeah, I, I love Chris. I stayed with Chris. Yeah, he was nice. Yeah, he was nice. And then any time that we had designated to shoot, that was our shoot time. There wasn't any, mm-hmm. you know lolly dolly oh if you have extra time you're not doing anything important right well let me just take up your time there, that that yeah, never no. happened and we did we had a good rapport so we would like hang out but like they there was still that very understood
1: realm of like I'm gonna go do my shit you're gonna go do your shit it doesn't you know turn into this all mesh thing of my life you know
0: yeah yeah and I think some people really you know don't have the capacity to understand that it sucks but <laughs> Like I try to
1: understand the people that have the mindset of I have a guest, I have to be all accommodate or uh, all accommodating and like all that stuff. But like beyond that kind of like self set pressure, if you're just talking to someone basically because you're like lonely or bored, it's like, look, that's cool. But like, I don't have the capacity to entertain someone else all day.
0: Yeah. I want to take a short little break to tell you about Model Society. ModelSociety.com is a website dedicated to featuring figurative, fine art photography for models and photographers. What makes them different than other portfolio hosting websites is that some of those other websites will still host kind of tacky photography or exploitative photos. Model Society screens all of their contributors for quality, and authenticity. So you only get the best of the best on there. If you're not a photographer or model, you can still enjoy and appreciate Model Society because they also have newsletters and magazines featuring their best work and new articles each week. Check it out, modelsociety.com. I will also include a link to Model Society in the show notes. All right, now back to our show. True. And you know, that, that does bring up a good point because most people, when they have a guest in their house, it is like standard to take them out to eat, talk to them all the time, watch movies together. But it's different when it's like, you know, a a family friend or a girlfriend versus like you have somebody that has made a business agreement with you to shoot during these hours at this time with you. And then the rest of the time they're just using your bed. And 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 that that like space is so important for traveling freelance models. We are so emotionally wiped out most of the time when we're going from shoot to shoot. Absolutely. i feel people
1: even apologize to me because they're they feel like they're not doing enough, and I'm like, oh no, for the love of God, like literally do nothing. That would be better. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's just like just you know, give me the the code to get into the building or whatever, and that's yeah. and then the, the Wi Fi password, and let me know where the towel is, and not you know like the the trade agreement. Generally, with some people, it's you know we're shooting in exchange for you like hosting me here or, or whatever mm-hmm. the agreement is. By the way, what do, what is your stance on that now? Do you still do trade for hosting?
1: I would accept it, depending on what the terms are. I am very aware of what my rate is in comparison to hotel rates. So no, I'm not going to trade several hours with you for like, you know, staying with you for a couple of days kind of thing. But it very much depends on the party on the terms and all of that. But generally, I find that a lot of people that I stay with understand how we work and are more than willing to like, also pay me for my modeling time and don't even ask for a discount, even though in that situation, like recently, I did give someone a discount because they were hosting me for several days. Like, let me their car like, wow, you know, like super helpful, because I got screwed. I had a tour and they literally canceled on me the moment <sighs> I landed in the city. And I was like, Fuck. Oh my God. But it wasn't their fault. The person who was renting their car hadn't brought it back yet. So it's a whole chain of events. Yeah. So Ultimately, I just got very lucky that he was like, Oh, you could just take the car. And I was like, oh shit, I didn't realize that was an option. But like, you know, it it, again depends on the terms, depends on the person, depends on, you know, all of that. But I'm fine with it within a reasonable realm. Like I've had in the past, I had someone a long time ago, a long, long time ago. Someone that people still work with and it drives me nuts that they do. (laughs) This person tried to basically trade a two hundred dollar like round trip flight ticket, not even including my bags, for two whole days of trade shooting. And I was like, no fucking way. I already had offered to give them one day and they were like, no, like days later, we're like, no, it feels like you're taking advantage of us. We want two. And I was just like, no, I refunded their money. I'm like, that's exactly your own
0: flight and book your own shoots and and make way more than two full days for one. Yeah, that doesn't make sense.
1: And part of what factored into that was there had been an offer like, oh, you could have photographers come here and shoot because they had a very nice studio space. And all of a sudden, that offer was like rescinded out of nowhere. And I'm like, okay, so there's literally no benefit to working with you because you live in actual bumfuck. Like, no one is going to come pick me up to go shoot with me from your place and then take me back. And then, sorry, it got even worse. On top of it, out of nowhere, this woman was just like... Oh, on this one day, I have to take my daughter to the mall. So, like, you could come if you want. And I'm like, oh, thanks for the offer. Like, I have a shoot at 10, so I, or 10 or 11, whatever. So, I've got to, like, get ready for that and go do that or whatever. But otherwise, I totally take you up on that. And she was like, oh, that was me trying to say that I have to have you out of the house and you can come wait at a Starbucks or something. And I was like, what like what do you mean and she was just like oh I promised my kids that I wouldn't let anyone stay in the house if I wasn't there and I'm like these are the fucking terms you tell people before they agree to do anything with you yeah this is insane that's not hosting you're literally like you can be here as long as I'm here but if I'm not you need to get the fuck out I'm like dude I'm not gonna sit at a Starbucks for hours because they were gonna go hours prior I'm like I'm not gonna sit at a Starbucks with my bag for a day's worth of shooting for this it was nuts
0: Yeah, the situations that some of us go through when it comes to being hosted by people that we don't even know that didn't like set the expectations for like what's gonna really be happening when you're there, like it can be crazy. Like I, I've got a short story. Oh, go ahead, (laughs) please. uh, I was like landing in uh, New Jersey once, and this guy wanted me to get on a train for like. Two or four hours to get picked up by him for another couple of hours of driving. And I've made this agreement no. <laughs> that we're gonna do a four hour shoot. And I'm gonna stay there for three days. And he picks me up, and I'm in the car with him for a few hours getting to his house, middle of nowhere, somewhere in New Jersey. I don't even remember. And he's telling me all this stuff about how his wife hates his photography and that she hates that he works with models. And I'm like, oh, no. you guys live together. And he's like, yeah, she's there. And, you know, you're going to meet her. I'm like, oh, my God. Why didn't you tell me about this in advance before I got this train ticket? And I'm, I'm dry. I'm literally going to the other side of the state for one four-hour shoot. I didn't have other bookings near him. <laughs> so it's it's uh i'm so happy to be like out of that stage of what i call desperation where i'm like oh yeah this person wanted to hire me for more than two hours so i'm going to bend over backwards to make it happen just so that i can get that money in my bank account you know but um over over the course of time i've learned that like it's important to ask questions like you said earlier that you know, they should be the obvious things to ask that, you know, generally if somebody has like awareness of boundaries and respect that, you know, like, like the guy that he said, the waterfall was nearby, two hours away is not nearby. Like you shouldn't have to ask him near how nearby is it? Like right when he says that, like you assume that nearby is like 30 to 40 minutes at the most, right? Like,
1: that's what I'm saying. Like, there's no such thing as like this generally understood common sense, because common sense to me is that nearby is not an hour and a half, two hours. But to this man. <laughs> but I actually you you reminded me of something right now with this dude and his wife. I have another short story for you. <laughs> Tell this, me. One's like, this one is short, but kind of wild. I was actually scared. And I really I have rarely ever been actually scared on the job. So this is when I was crashing in Philly at uh, at Ivy's place just mm. several years ago. Good times. Yeah, for sure. I drive to this little studio and it's kind of not late at night, but it's dark. I wanna say like probably like seven PM. It was an evening shoot in studio just because, you know, this guy had a shoot like after work. And you know how Ivy was not in I in a Philly proper. And this studio space was kind of I want to say closer to that kind of environment than, you know, the city. So things nearby were kind of quiet, not really a lot of open businesses, you know, just mostly streetlights and darkness kind of thing. I pull up to this little studio space. I park. I'm looking around because I don't really see another car. And I'm just like, I don't know if I have the right place. Like it is an empty lot in front of me, but I'm like, this is the address. I call. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is it. Come inside. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Grab my stuff. Go inside. The moment I come in, guy pays me my remainder, which is my policy because I like to get everything out of the way in the beginning. And we are talking about the progression of the shoot. And then there's knocking at the front door. Oh, my God, I'm getting chills as I'm talking about this. It's Mm -hmm. like a knock at the front door. And he like kind of peers over and then like ignores it and we don't really hear anything else at first so we just keep talking and there's some more knocking again there's not really anything out here like there's other businesses but they're not open there's cars driving by but it's not a lot (laughs) this is really fucking creepy And I'm thinking maybe it's like the studio owner who's like, maybe it was open. Maybe if I knock, I don't got to use the key. Maybe he's going to use his key now. The knocking turns into pounding. (gasps) And the pounding turns into aggressive pounding. And this is turning into a fucking horror movie for me because I'm like, what the fuck is happening? And the man in front of me is not looking too fucking phased. So I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, yeah, I'm freaking the fuck out a little bit. And he's like, okay, so my wife doesn't really like that I shoot models. And I'm like, what? And I'm thinking even worse because I'm just like, oh, psychotic partner. And I'm here in the midst of this. Fucking fantastic. As far as I know, at first, there's only the one way in and out. So I'm just like shitting bricks. The pounding is getting so fucking wild. And he's telling me how he had like, I guess he went to work first and instead of going home, went from work and his wife must have followed him, which again, saying something because I was the only car in the fucking lot. And I saw one car pull up later, but I thought they, I swore they left. So I don't know where this fucking woman came from. He quickly tells me to gather my things, which I had not really unpacked or anything yet. So I was like, thank God this is like right after I'd walked in basically like just two minutes after and there's another door. And it's one of those weird situations where it's like, because the land nearby was kind of like fluctuating the base, like the first floor has a front door, but then the second floor also has like a front door that's level with the ground just because of the way that, you know, everything is kind of structured. So I walk out that door and haul ass to the next business nearby that has like this little wooden like railing situation that i'm literally hiding behind because my car is where that woman is knocking and i'm like i don't know what the fuck to do so i started texting ivy because i'm like i really don't know it's about to go down right now and she knows the photographer too Uh yeah so It's, like, this whole thing, and I keep waiting. Like, I'm there waiting, and I realize the woman has made it inside the studio. He probably let her in to talk, and she probably realized there was no one there, and it probably was, like, fucking with her. I go to the other side of the building, like, the opposite side from where she would have been pounding. I wait until I hear a woman's voice yelling on the inside to make sure And then I gun it to my car, jump in, haul ass out of there. And I don't even look back. I was like, what the fuck? Oh,
0: my God. At least you got
1: paid. (laughs) Yeah. And on top of it, this dude was apologetic, but way too embarrassed to text me. So he texted Ivy to tell me how apologetic he was. Oh,
0: my God. Like, these
1: men who have wives, partners, whatever, that do not like them shooting with models, you need to stop doing it behind their back. It's a fucking risk for us. It is fucking scary when they lose their shit.
0: Yeah. They need to stop. (laughs) I have actually experienced that wrath from the other woman which I, it makes me feel weird saying the other woman because when photographers yeah. like don't tell you that they have like a wife or an ex-wife or a girlfriend that either doesn't know about their photography or doesn't like it, then you're at the shoot and you just got this information. Suddenly you're like feeling like oh I'm the other woman now. Like you're making this my problem. Like I am your your sinful side project. All the, and when I'm just doing my job, like I'm not feeling sinful or whatever about what I'm doing. I'm just doing a good job of being professional, showing up on time, being a good model, posing for you, you know, dealing with your, you know, requests and your like therapy session at times. But yes, but then <laughs> this extra element, uh, not, not every photographer obviously is like this but there's enough of experiences that I've had that are also like this, where even if the wife or the ex-wife or whatever isn't directly involved, like in your situation, she's pounding on the door, that's fucked up, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> e- e- even if I'm never interacting with the, the wife or ex-wife or whatever, the fact that somebody has brought up the fact that their ex-wife or their wife doesn't like it or their wife that died wouldn't have allowed them to do this. Like, why why are you telling me this? Why are you adding this burden of negative emotion to our shoot do you want me to validate you you know
1: like why do I have to be like complicit in your little personal crime like why do you need an accomplice to this it's fucking terrible I don't need the guilt and honestly if you tell me your wife doesn't like this I'm tapping out Not because of like some respect I have for this other person, although I think you should have that as a photographer. It's certainly more for my personal safety and well-being. Also, men like that just refuse to stop talking about it. And I'm just like, I don't care. And I'm not going to sit here and validate it for you either, which is, as you said, I think it's part of what they want. So I'm out.
0: (laughs) Because they think that you could be like the succubus that's going to alleviate this problem for them when really... It's just a drag on the model in most cases. But I will like to, you know, on the flip side though, there are still a lot of photographers out there, male photographers that do have good relationships that Mm -hmm. are a good example that, you know, sometimes their wife is holding the reflector and they're part of the process too. And I think that, Like, it really shows, like, what the true intentions of the photographer is for hiring, traveling, nude, freelance models. Like, there's definitely a lot of situations that seem similar, enough to the point where there's archetype characters of photographers that we all seem to work with. Mm
1: -hmm. And, like, you're definitely right on the, uh, there's a flip side where, you know, there are ultra supportive wives. Like, shout out to Tim and the Bay Area's wife, who... Now just packs me a snack bag. I've never met her, but she packs me a snack bag, gives it to him, and make sure he gives it to me.
0: <laughs> like it is Aww. the most adorable thing. <laughs> that is sweet, yeah. And I've definitely, I've definitely worked with photographers like near the beginning of the photography where their wife like wasn't sure about it or they were acting weird about it and then over the course of time they got into it and maybe they also modeled for the their husband photographer mm-hmm. or like helped out at shoots or like they were like a part of the process so I guess it really just comes down to communication between each other in their relationship and yeah. whether or not they're like hiding secrets from each other but I will say that this whole thing has definitely affected me in my perspective on the world in general because as the subject for so many GWCs that have had you know, secretive dynamics with their wives, it has made me like a bit wary of the world in a sense in, in, that, mm-hmm. in that aspect.
1: Yeah, it's definitely something you start to think about too because it really opens up the ways that certain people think about the world around themselves. It's just something yeah. you start to like calculate in.
0: <laughs> I guess like working with other people in general, like whether I my first job was fast food, like any any time that I've worked with other people that I didn't know yet, I have learned more and more about the world. And then traveling modeling I think is like, you know, that on crack. It's like you're exponentially <laughs> learning about all kinds of different people that have intentions that you wouldn't have assumed, you know? Oh, for sure. Because you're literally working with like this range of people that you don't even
1: like you would not be able to fathom that in your earliest years of modeling that you would be working for someone that is like the CEO of X large company that just has this side hobby to this person that wants to build a book, but is building everything off of like their week to week budget, you know, like, it really runs the gamut and the lives of the people that you're speaking to are so different on a day to day basis. So when people actually ask me, like, what's your typical client like I'm like, there is no such thing. Yeah, that's true. Not.
0: That's true. People want to say that it's a certain type and there are definitely certain like, you know, photographers that have like certain careers that like are more common. Like I'd say I work with a lot of people that are like engineers or like in tech Mm -hmm. or whatever. But there's also a lot of like I've worked with a photographer who worked at Walmart and he made minimum wage and he would save up a ton of money just to hire a model once every few months. And I was like, oh, that that's sweet. That really shows that you have a passion for what you're doing. But, you know, it also makes me feel bad, you know, because our rates are getting higher and higher every year because everything is more expensive.
1: Yeah. And the issue is never going to be that, you know, our standard rates are getting higher. That's what should happen. It's that there is no Rate increase for these people in these jobs. And that's what really fucking sucks. Like, I was just talking to someone about this the other day how I raised my rates basically right after COVID. And it was only right after COVID because it was actually supposed to be right before COVID. But then COVID hit and I realized I can't literally raise my rates as everyone is losing their jobs.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Like, that's
1: the stupidest thing ever. And I also wasn't really working a lot. So it didn't really fucking matter at the end of the day. But once I actually started going out there into the world again, (laughs) I did put them back where I wanted them to be. And that was before basically the market went to shit again. Yeah. So that's when a lot of us have been in like groups talking about like we sort of need the pay increase, but also realistically can't establish it.
0: Yeah. And there's always going to be some photographers that can afford like whatever the standard rates are, Mm -hmm. but. There also seem to be a lot more traveling freelance nude models today than there were five years ago. So there's more competition and there's less people that can afford to hire us. So it it makes everything a challenge. It's like you have to start like coming up with other side incomes. Yeah. And
1: it's, Certainly not that I'm stepping out of modeling at all. I haven't reached that point where I'm like, I'm done or want to like shift into anything else like headfirst. But I am exploring a couple of other ventures at this point that I'm intending to build into something uh, much more significant. And they'll sort of be interwoven in a way. But like at the end of the day, that is kind of just the need.
0: Yeah, true that. And that reminds me, I've got another question that I'd like to ask you that I ask everybody on the show. I call it the rising phoenix era of your life and this could be like a segue into what you were just starting to talk about or it can be something else totally unrelated if you want but can you describe a situation where you were faced with a challenge that you had to overcome whether it was like emotional like insecurity or like financial like moving on in a career yeah so um I don't know how your timing works on here, but this is a little long. <laughs> that's all right. I mean, I mean I've mean, i got time, you know. Okay, cool. I just want to make sure. Yeah, so I also
1: thought on that one because I was just like, what really was the struggle? Because I started off as a hobbyist and went into something where I started getting paid and having fun. And that's generally how I contextualize the whole thing. Like, I started off as a hobbyist, having fun, eating shit. People started, started to want to pay me. And... just went from there it turned into a whole ass career that I didn't anticipate and then when I actually focus on the details it's like there's a whole pivotal point in the shift between the hobbyist and pro phase and I would say that is the year from 23 to 24 when I just had like right before and right after I turned 24 that was what I still call the worst year of my life Hmm. I was already modeling. Just as a hobbyist, I was still at home. I still had a day job, which I was hostessing at a sushi restaurant. Nothing crazy. Most of my work came from, like, tourists. That's just, like, a lot of how Southport is. And it was at the end of the year prior when my mother was actually diagnosed with cancer and a very fast-acting one in which they gave her a longer window than she actually survived. Like, she lived about, like, two months of a six-month left expectancy because it was that fast acting damn there's literally nothing that they could do because it was stomach cancer and they're like we can't do a thing about it and this is before like weed legalization things like right before which i wish there Uh. been something about that that i could have like tried to help her with but the timing was just not there and when that happened basically i just was crying like every fucking day every every day until the day that she died Uh, like the day after i think i had just run out of tears like i couldn't anymore it didn't exist and in that bubble i stopped giving a fuck about everything and even after she died actually i stopped giving a fuck about everything even more like everything in my life shifted like i had a a long time partner i had been with someone for like four and a half years who was very supportive during that time even though like things were like rough between us too and like I shut everyone out, basically. Like I stopped modeling unless I was really called out for like a gig or something. I stopped putting myself out there. Like All I wanted to do was basically go to work and go home because I was afraid of busting out crying in literally any other situation. It was hard enough to keep it together at work. And then after my mom finally passed, about a month almost to the day, and this is not as sad sad as as it's about to sound, me and my long-term partner broke up. And it was a mutual breakup. Yeah, it was a mutual breakup. And it's one that I will hilariously always think of fondly because we spent the entire next day in bed together crying about it and playing video games. And like it was all again very mutual, it was just we had this realization that we were not going in the same direction anymore. And it was sad that it was happening that way, but we weren't sad or mad at each other. Oh, it was actually, yeah, it was fine. And we stayed living together for a little while after that, but it was those that after my mom passed years that were the roughest aspect because of like my whole mental shift. And I started dating someone else that ended up being basically a piece of shit. I had to move out and moved in with a roommate who was like a hoarder and also depressed, which was also bad for my mental health. So it was great when I was on the road and it sucked when I was at home. So when I was at home, I would spend time with my then partner who again was a piece of shit and I was finding out that he was keeping secrets from me and shit that I think I was only tolerating because I was trying to find this balance in life because now I would never tolerate any of it but back then I was just trying to make something work and it was literally after all of that and in the midst of still dating that person that I was working at that job and my partner that partner also worked there but he was not working this particular it was fine when we worked together but like He was not working that day. He was just coming to pick me up from work. My restaurant had a no PDA policy, which totally fine. I understand that. We didn't kiss or anything. I literally gave him a hug. There was almost no one in the restaurant. Meanwhile, people in the other restaurants were literally playing slap ass with each other. (laughs) So Uh I'm like, okay, whatever, guys. And we both got fired. Oh, shit. He literally got (laughs) fired off the clock over a hug that's literally why they fired us they sent us like this quote-unquote photographic proof from the store cameras oh my god this is how much of a power play that was the manager thought it was funny to joke about the fact that he enjoyed making the other hostess cry and they only had two hostesses me and her to work two separate shifts each day because they literally were not staffed enough so i'm like you're really gonna try and make this girl work 12 hour shifts every single fucking day or like what are you gonna do now like honestly because you just wanted to fire me over a hug smart move oh my god no this place was fucking atrocious so all that happened and that of course put strain on our relationship even more because then i felt like i was the reason he got fired which was not true it was just some other dickhead but like i was bearing the weight of everything at that time and in that moment. Not in that moment, but in the next couple of days in that like whole settling moment, I was like, well, why not start modeling full time? Because I've literally got no job or anything left to lose. Wow. (laughs) Like, and I think there was a, I forget like where in the timeline that partner and I had broken up and it all just kind of worked in sync hilariously. Cause like the day that he broke up with me, the next day I had a shoot. And it was for this site that used to be called highonheels.com. It was like a fetish site. It was like, this guy was great. He would get like a hairstylist, makeup artist, do everything like totally done up. And it was very focused on like the heels and stockings aspect. And he would get like these heels that like I just generally never had access to. So it was really cool. He'd get great photos. I loved it. And then he would even shoot me stuff for, you know, my own usage. Totally good time. But like, this is our first shoot together and he was paying me outright, hiring me for the shoot and told me directly. And this is before I did any nudes at all. Like not, you know, some of our listeners may think of implied nudes as nude. I'm not talking about that. Like visibly nude. I had not done any full nudes of any kind, topless, anything like that. He told me directly, I normally hire models that can give me at least topless, but I just want to shoot you. So it literally doesn't matter to me what you do. You could totally stay like fully clothed. And it's all the same to me. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, I had this whole fiery energy behind me with everything that had like been going on the last few months and then with my partner then breaking up with me because basically he was being a slut. <laughs> oh. I was like, oh, I literally don't have to care about anyone's fucking feelings because he he was not as supportive of, like, my sexy modeling. He didn't vocalize it, but he wasn't outwardly, like, happy about it. Right. And at no time prior had I personally been driven to do nudes, so he wasn't holding me back. It was just, those those were his feelings on it. Anyway, I get to this shoot and I'm like, fuck it, tits out. And <laughs> I I got great shots from it. I was happy with it. I had a good time and, honestly, that, that was a direction. That was literally the opening for me to actually do more nudes. And The only reason I think like one of my first full nude shoots was uncomfortable, uh, uncomfortable, was this dude thought he could just pull me out onto like one of the Miami beaches and there was a bunch of people walking around, Uh and I was just like, "Bad time, my friend!" And I made him go back to the hotel because I'm like, "I can't." There's literally too many people.
0: Oh yeah, sometimes nude beaches are actually
1: the worst. (laughs) Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely can be the worst. (laughs) So I go through all of that to get to like that was the whole transition point in my modeling from when it started as just like a fun thing that i was just enjoying because i like taking photos i like doing creative things like in in any sense i like being creative and building things and it literally took a moment of just being like well there's literally nothing left to lose i'm just gonna jump into this and i put my all into modeling and made it my day job because I was just like, fuck it, there's literally nothing else <laughs> that I'm doing, that I'm building toward. And this is something that I started, I'm passionate about, I could work for myself. Actually, that was one of the biggest fucking things, if I'm being honest. I never wanted to work for another manager, employer that was based in Miami because everyone I'd ever worked for here has like the shittiest attitude, is terrible to their employees. Like, I was so over feeling like they were lording over me for a position that they were probably making like. 20 dollars an hour at most. And I'm like you're just taking out all your frustrations on your employees every time something goes wrong with you, but you don't treat us like actual humans. I was so done with it. I got fired literally for a hug. And no matter how many times I say that, I feel like people don't believe me when I say it. That was the reality for me. So, like what what else was there to like have a loss for? And then yeah. the other aspect is like when I lost my mother, I kind of lost my father in the process because he became insufferable and it was like well if i don't sever ties here i'm going to basically deal with his shit like my mom did kind of thing and i haven't spoken to him in like the last basically since a month or so after she passed and i know i'm better for it it's not a bad thing wow it it was definitely the whole like oh i've got to cut off like this entire toxic limb because not just other family members too that were associated and I'm sure some of them still like lurk and see my shit, and I could not give a flying fuck. I do not relate to people that have to understandably live under like this familial thumb and like worry about like how this is going to affect their relationships in the day to day. I fully understand that. It's hard yeah. for me to tell people about modeling and be like, is it easier, or is it hard? without being like, this is a very specific topic that is very relevant. Like, how is it going to change your entire life? And basically, yeah. i reached a point where it's like, it's not going to change my life in a negative way, because everything that's connected to that in those bubbles where I could get fired, I could have family not talk to me, I could lose my housing, all of that had fucking shifted.
0: You know, like, I actually have a lot of similarities in when I jumped into full time with your story as well. But it's true. Like if you're going to become a full-time traveling freelance nude model, you basically have to sacrifice, you know, the the opportunities for future like types of jobs because your manager yeah. is going to judge you, or you're, you're going to have to worry about your parents. You're either going to have to expose it to them and risk being shunned for life, or in in your situation, like you lost your mother and then you were no, you were estranged from your father after that, so that. I suppose took care of that. They're not going to be sitting there like giving you a hard time about your nude modeling. Oh, and my mother, my mother actually would have been supportive.
1: Is the hilarious aspect? Like I remember her telling me, "Don't model for Playboy unless you're getting paid well." (laughs) (laughs) So, like, I knew she she had to have that motherly kind of like side eye shun, but like she was still supportive of the modeling that I had done, and I had not modeled nude until after she had passed. So like everything leading up to it, I think she kind of saw the traje- trajectory and I think to this day she would still be supportive of what I do because of how I approach things and I make sure I get paid.
0: <laughs> Fuck yeah. She sounds like she was a cool lady. She was.
1: But yeah, everything else is, there were all factors.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a big deal. People ask, oh, I, I want to become a full-time nude model, but I don't want so-and-so to find out about it. I'm like, well, they're going to find nope. out. Yeah. All the people that you don't want to see it on the internet, they're going to see it.
1: That's the <laughs> advice I've had to give to every person I've ever seen in like a model group or anything looking to transition or that wants to try it. It's like, cool if you want to try it, but realize that once something is on the internet, you can't undo that. Yeah. You can't. True. Like I straight up panicked one time because I had a model friend that I had set up a shoot for and I had arranged the shoot and I was supposed to be the one to edit the photos and do all of this stuff. And she decided that she was going to take one of the photos, or actually two of them, edit them herself, and post them, just tagging me, no warning. And I, jeez, I was wearing basically what would have been equivalent of like a one-inch ribbon, like straight up, like my like vulva, so it's pushing the sides out, Uh. and it. It is vulvatastic, you know? And I'm <laughs> like, why would you fucking j-? I'm texting her, like, why would you share that? Take that down. That's beyond my limits. And you know it. And she's like, it doesn't have labia. I'm like, what do you think a labia is? Like I literally oh sent God. her like th- yeah, that's the other problem. People just conflating labia and vagina. I sent her a photo of it. I'm like, it's all labia. And she removed it, but it already had a handful oh of shares. God. I'm like, thank you. Thank you for that. Somebody screenshotted that. Oh, for sure. And it's just a bad photo at the end of the day, but it's also, it was beyond my limits. And I'm like, what the fuck?
0: Why would you do this to another model? That's crazy. Yeah. Thank you so much for you know sharing that vulnerable story. A lot of people are, you know, a little bit more reserved about sharing about their personal life. But I think that a lot of people listening might really think that's interesting learning like, you know, your, your backstory.
1: Yeah, I don't really talk about it like in, in the broad, you know, public, I guess, but it's also not something I'm shy to talk about because it's my life. It happened. like i'm I'm actually pretty open about most of my life, but I don't sit there and broadcast it. those the difference right. between the two. Like sit me down, have a conversation, and I'll tell you almost anything. But like, watch me online. You'll learn nothing
0: <laughs> right. You'll see my portfolio and and, you know, and, like, Even whatever that. comment
1: I have for the day, you know, like, that's not me as a person. That's just my work, what I have to
0: share, what have you. Word. Well, we are pretty much at, at the end of the episode. I would like to ask, though, is there anything else that you wanted to bring up before we close out?
1: That's such a hard one. I'm like, God, there's so many things, like, going on in reality. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, like, really glad we're – I know that like, COVID isn't, you know, gone, but, like, I'm glad we're in that. Post isolation era, like so much because (laughs) it feels like it's finally settled back into something like real and yeah, like a normal living situation again. And I didn't realize how suffocating it was during the whole like that year and a half of like really heavy isolation. That, like, you know, my work suffered. I didn't realize it would hit like my mental health so bad because I'm such a homebody that it wasn't the it wasn't being home that sucked, it was the not being creative, not leaving the state, not being able to travel.
0: Yeah. Part.
1: But yeah, I know. I'm just, I'm glad we're kind of societally resurfacing. I guess. Yes. <laughs> I do
0: agree with that. I mean, all caution be adhered, but like. Yes, I'm still on to top of that. <laughs> in-person photo shoots is nice.
1: <laughs> it is for sure. And actually just, you know, not working with just myself, you know, other creative voices, all that
0: word well thanks so much Mika for taking the time out of your day to do this episode with me I'll make sure to include links to your website and your social media and everything in the show notes of the podcast thank you for having me I'm so
1: glad to have finally done one of these and actually talked to you for like the first time like actually talked in like how many years like the last time I saw I you was know we just know Inn. about <laughs> each
0: other on the internet <laughs> no 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 um I did your event in Seattle. Oh, I know, I remember that. We still didn't, oh, like, yeah, yeah. We didn't hang out. No, 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 no,
1: you're you're right. We had the whole like fire pit, but like we all had our own conversations. And then I saw you at the Madonna Inn, but like we've never had this long of a conversation,
0: <laughs> yeah, thats part of the reason why I like doing this this podcast is because it forces me to have conversations with other people that I normally wouldn't like have their phone numbers to. And I think that they're interesting, productive conversations also, oh yeah, and that's a fantastic goal. I love that, heck, yeah. All right, Mika, I'm going to let you go now, but I'll talk to you soon, all right? All right, thanks. Thanks so much. Have a good one. Bye.